everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mondo Show here on the PTL Network, Voice of the Prophets. You're in for a surprise. Joseph Z made it to the orange couch. Oh, man. Come on. I'm <laughs> I watched you here. on social media. Friends are calling me. You got to have this guy on your show. And I finally said, stop it. <laughs> here you are in the orange couch. I'm welcome. to be here. Thank you, Mondo. What we, a privilege to be with you. Listen, my, the privilege is mine. And we had a privilege a uh, few minutes ago. Who walks in? Oh, <laughs> Jim Baker walks in uh, to sit. Um, you know what? I got him to commit that before this year's <laughs> over, I'm going to have a very special interview with Pastor Jim Baker because uh, we got a lot to talk about, and I feel like he's got a message for this generation. Before we get started, my special guest is an author, broadcaster, social media influencer, a Bible teacher, international prophetic voice. Joseph Z oh, is man. in the building. <laughs> oh, brother, I'm happy to be here. Listen, what was it like watching Jim Baker just sit here with us, a pioneer of, of broadcasting? A giant in the faith. The world saw him fall. The went to prison, came back, rebuilt again. But what was it like? I know what it was like for me, oh, but what Mondo. was it like for you? Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things about men of God like this is so few of them come back. Ooh. When people take a hit, so few come back. I think what he offers our generation is the lesson of how to come back, how to be resilient and finish strong. A lot of people start, they might make a mistake, but they don't finish strong. Oh. Jim's going to finish strong. Man, you listen, I was speaking to a friend of mine called Kevin Jessup, and we talked for hours one morning about finishing strong, Come helping, he, I don't want to call them the old generation, but the old helping lions. the elders of the church <laughs> end well, because a lot of them have not end well, and I can name the names, but I'm not going to, but they haven't ended well because... Right. There was no one behind them to take on the baton. I call them burnt stones. You know, like Nehemiah built this wall. And one of the things he had to do is go collect stones that were damaged in former sieges, clean them and put them back. I liken them to old John Rambos. Ooh. You know, they're out in the back 40 sharpening a <laughs> stick and the colonel comes to him, Mondo, and they say, Johnny, we need you. Oh, and he on. says, I don't do that anymore, Commander. <laughs> go back and find someone else, you know. But they realize a younger generation needs their wisdom. Mm. And I see that as one of the things. And You know, that's one of the things that has been uh, the success of my walking in, in Christ. Yeah. Is being able to understand the experience of the past and the wisdom. Yeah. They may not have the strength like they used to. Yeah. But that's okay. I have the strength. They have the wisdom, right? Yeah, come on. And, uh, and I know for a fact that the hour that we're in right now, you got to have some wisdom. You got to have some discernment True. in your life because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Come on, man. You're going to get yourself in trouble, and the people <clears throat> around you are getting you in trouble. Come on. I've always said this. If you're the smartest person in your group, <laughs> you're in trouble. That's true. I got to find a way to get around people that are smarter than me, that, that have found a way to have wisdom. Because when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're mad, when you're disappointed, when you're hurting, when you're frustrated, you make wrong decisions. I don't have time no. to make wrong decisions. No. Can I call you Joseph Z? You can, brother. Zorro. No, Zorro. <laughs> Joseph Z. You, you dressed in black? Yeah. I always dress in black. You didn't get all black. dressed up for nothing, bro. Come on, yeah. man. You look good. Oh, you look sharp, brother. Listen, what is your message? 
What yeah. is the if, if there was a message that you can give right now, and we're going to yeah. talk about your latest book, yeah, Breaking Hell's Economy. Don't tune out. It's not just about money. It's not about no. anything that you even think about. No, uh, the process of of what the economy is. We're going to get into that, but. If you had a message that you're known for, what is your message? Building lives by the voice of God. I want to build lives, leave a legacy that way. So it's about building lives. That's what we really building do. Building lives. Yep. Why is it important to build lives? Well, because that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that makes God wealthy or rich or advances him. There's two levels to it, Mondo, and you know this. This is the only thing God doesn't have is souls. And then once he has souls, what kind of souls does he have? Does he have mature believers or infants running around? And if we give him both mature believers or rather souls than mature believers, now God actually has something to work with. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You you are talking about stuff that most people don't dare to talk about. Sure. They don't want to hint that because <laughs> they're afraid that if, if they get if they have a, a, a parishioners that are weak, you don't want to look weak. Right. Right. You always right. want to show strength and show that. But immaturity in the church has been, I, I, in my opinion, has been the key factor of an impact that the church can make. Come on. Let, can we talk about the Let's church? Let's go. Come on. And I want to make a disclaimer. <laughs> I love the church. I do too. I believe in the church. I, I believe that the, the Bible says that I will build my church Yeah. and the gates of hell should not prevail. That's it. So don't get me wrong when I question about what what is the state of the church, because you almost have to have a internal... Uh, I don't want to sound critical, but you almost have to be able to analyze the state of the church. If you have a business, you have to analyze where your business is going, how your business is doing. Is it prospering? Where are we losing money? So why we can't do that with the church? I have no idea. Jesus did it. He did it? He did it in the book of Revelation. He walked among the candlesticks and he tested them. He saw them. He watched what they were doing. Jesus watched how people gave. He watched how they sewed. Ooh. He stood right over the offering bucket and said, hmm, how much did you give there? What did you do? Oh, this woman outgave you all. But Jesus watches the affairs of the church. Can I ask you a tough question? I may get kicked out of uh, <laughs> the same network that I help <laughs> organize, but I got to ask you this question because I followed the trend on social media about our generation. Yeah. Since when? did the Republican Party represent Christ? Since when a party in the political realms become the statement of faith Absolutely. for a party? I feel yeah. that politics has infected the way we can outreach or minister to the world. I couldn't agree more. For God so gave the world, he only gave it to the Republican Party. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and listen, I'm not against the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. I'm not against conservatives. I'm not against Democrats. I'm not against. I'm against right. the fact that the Bible says, for whosoever yeah. will. Whosoever. Help me understand. Yeah, let's go. Help understand the viewers that are conflicted with the fact that they they tend the Republican Party has taken Christ hostage almost. This sure. is the words I'm hearing. Wow. What do you think? What do you, how do you feel when you hear people talk about, I don't know if I can believe, believe in your Christ because your Christ belongs to the Republican Party? Sure, I see that. I think the big thing is, is people need to realize Jesus is Lord before there's politics. After that side of things, we got to ask the question, though. 
Jesus called Herod a fox. Jesus went down the road where he confronted the culture. So did John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, it's not okay for you to be doing that. I think what we need to do is be voting the Bible. And a lot of people, based on their persuasion, what institution they're raised in, or environmental setting they come from, are going to have a lot of different points of view on this whole thing. So the answer is the same. Jesus is Lord. They need power. But I'll tell you what I am against. The murdering of babies. I'm against uh, gender mutilation. I'm against people that are absolutely trying to steal the identity of a generation. I don't care what party you're with. Anybody that does that is antichrist in origin, and Jesus would have spoke out about it. Okay, so how do Paul. we balance politics and Christianity? Because it seems like there's such an imbalance of both. Either yeah. you're too much on this side, or they feel, oh, you're too radical to be <laughs> in politics because you're a Christian radical. Yeah. How do we balance both? Is it, is it room for both in, in, in the same conversation? Well, there has to be, because the, the bottom line is whether we're political or not political, taking not a political stance means you are political. You've casted your vote. And people say, well, I don't need to get involved. I don't want to do this. I just want to be a Christian. Well, then you're casting your vote. So my, my answer to that is vote the Bible. Go with the party or the people that stand closest to the word of God. And a lot of times our choices are bad or worse. And when the choices are bad or worse, I choose bad. You choose bad. Yeah. Better than worse. You know? Let's Better talk than losing about... two arms if you can only lose one. <laughs> that makes sense, <laughs> yeah. right? Let's talk about your book. Yeah. Because that question that I ask you goes to the question on chapter four in your book, Breaking Hell's Economy. And you write in chapter four, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Come on. What do you mean by that? Well, it's a theocracy. And I call God Theo. He's in charge. There's no voting in the kingdom. There's what he says. And we do it. We obey it by the word of God. And God's kingdom is not a democracy. It's not a system of voting. It's a system of principles and rules that we do, and we line up with Jesus. You talk about a battle over territory. Come on, brother. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> I, I got I to gotta be a, a millennial for a moment, right? I like it. I got to show you how I believe that you were supposed to be on this program to explain the kingdom of God versus democracy. Because in America, we don't understand the concept of kingdom. No. We understand republic. Yes. We understand democracy. That's right. But I believe we have uh, Americanized the gospel so much that we don't even re recognize kingdom principles. Now you're preaching my language. Can we talk about Let's kingdom go, principles? Let's go, bro. Come on. But I got to show you... <clears throat> What is the topic of my sermon? A battle over territory. Oh. Come on, Mondo. There's no coincidence in, the, in life. I was thinking about what you said about it just yesterday, because we talked about it briefly. And when you said the words, and I processed this, because I'd not thought of this before. You said the attack is on language. It's on the words. Bro, that is powerful stuff right there. Listen, after reading your book, I went back to my sermon. And, and this is not about me, it's about my guests, but I, I believe iron sharpens iron. Oh, big time. But when you talk about a battle over territory, you write about dominion. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the Hebrew origin of what the word dominion means, and it means mamlaka. Mm. That's a strong word, mamlaka. It makes me want to say mufasa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very close to no, it. No, it's good, though. But the word dominion is from a Hebrew word mamlaka, mm. which means sovereign rule. Mm. Kingdom, which also means royal power. Wow. Now, this is what happens. 
The battle is over a lifestyle reflecting the culture's value, morals, nature of the land. Wow. But the first thing that a kingdom has to do in, or, in order to inhabit or, or colonize is destroy the language. Wow. Why is there a battle over language in our mm -hmm. culture today? Yeah, it's confusion. That's part of the Antichrist agenda. And the Antichrist, I don't mean a man. I'm talking about a system, a spirit. You know, the kingdom of God, as Romans tells us, is righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, the kingdom dwells within you, within men. The righteousness, peace, and joy, that's the language trying to be disrupted. It's trying to identify or rather destroy your righteousness, your right standing with God, your peace that passes understanding, and the joy of the Lord that gives us strength in the present evil age. That's the language I see getting disrupted. Whew. I got so much to ask you, and I only have a few moments left with you. I want to talk about the podcast you did a few days ago, or maybe okay. it was a few, a few weeks ago. <laughs> and I had to write it down because you discussed several hot-button issues. Sure. Let's talk about those hot buttons. Let's go, Can bro. We do Come that? on. Let's... <laughs> you talked about World War III. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, what's going on over with Ukraine and Russia right now? And I have friends that are in some of those territories. And the way that other nations are moving in, I believe that there is an Antichrist agenda to marshal that into reality. I believe they're trying to do it. And I think that that can be stopped. But I do believe that's something that's happened. When the pipeline blew up under the ocean, um, I believe personally that it was us who did it. That's my suspicion. Mm. And I think that they're trying to induce this. And through that picture, I think that would only help global elites and wicked shadow leaders. The election coming up. Oh, man. How important is this election? Some feel like it's a, a shifting moment for America. And other people, oh, it's just another election. It's typical politics. Not just another election. You know, the sad thing is whether you're Republican or Democrat, and I just like to say we go red, not because of political affiliation, the blood of Jesus. Come on. But with what's happening, if the wrong people get in, and they usually do, what will end up happening is they will, they will let things continue going where they're supposed to, not supposed to go. And the wrong ones getting into power, even if like what we would consider the good guys get in, mm. I still think so many of them are fake and they're bought out that we have a real issue. And the only answer I see coming, Mondo, is I stood in um, you know, President Trump's tower some time back. And as I say, I'm not for any candidate, I'm for Jesus. But I stood in this tower uh, before he ran even. And the Lord spoke to me and said, America has one more round. I said, why, God? It looks like it's going down. Everything's going to burn. And he said, because the young lions are coming. Mm. The young lions are coming. They're reformers. And the reformers are four types of people, Mondo, that I've seen that will breathe life into this type of institution. The reformers are the young lions, which I believe you're called the mentor. Mm. The burnt stones, which are people like Jim. The Cinderella's, those that have inspiration, they're called yeah. of God, but they've been trapped by an institution with their ideas. They're in golden bird cages. And then the Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeers, the outcasts turn into broadcast. I believe those ones, they're only needed on a foggy Christmas Eve, and suddenly everybody loves Rudolph because their oddity becomes their commodity. Mm. And so I see that as the type of people God's going to raise up to breathe life into the institution. Now, these types are going to offend institutions. They're going to offend minds and reveal hearts. And God's going to use them to bring a great change, even to the political arena. God's going to use business leaders like Elon to offend these institutions. America. Yeah, come on. Let's talk about America. I love America. 
I don't know how anybody can sit here and hate on America. I understand America has had some ugly secrets. Yeah. I understand America who has done ugly things, but America has been blessed, still blessed by God. Yeah. But I've noticed America's land is in drought. Yes. I'm noticing birth pains in America like yeah. we've never seen before. What happens? I'm asking you some random questions because I didn't. You're looking at me like, oh God, what are no, you? No, I ask? love this. I, no, not at all. I'm ready to go. What happens to a land when wrong leaders are put in place? It affects the land. It affects the territory. It totally does. And people say, are you telling me that if obedience doesn't happen in a land, or if disobedience happens, mm -hmm. it affects the territory? Remember the story of Jesus when he walked into Jerusalem, or ro rather rode on a donkey? Mm -hmm. And the children began to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they said, do not do that. He said, if these do not do this, the very rocks will cry out. What I'm saying is creation, Romans 1 says, all creation groans with eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. If they're not, it groans. I believe the birth pangs we see, droughts, wars, rumors, even all this pestilence is an action or a reaction of the manifest sons and daughters of God not standing. Mm. What is it going to take for the church, the institution of church? Yeah. Many of you have been hurt by the institution of church. Some yeah. of you have been abused by the institution of church. Some of you have been taken advantage by the institution of the church. I got you. I get it. I, listen, I feel your pain. I understand where you're coming from. But pastor, prophet, influencer, broadcaster, how do we rebuild hope in the institution of the church? Because the Bible says, and I quoted it earlier on, that he's going to use the church. He's going to build his church. Yeah. How do we rebuild hope back through the church of Christ again? We need encounters with God, period. People need to be encountered by the presence of God, and we got to give it to them. And so much of what has happened has become institutionalized. You know, part of the issue is, is that there's four stages to every move of God or ministry or church. And it starts out with the building phase. You know, the development phase mm -hmm. is the second one. Then they get to the establishment phase. And then they go to decline. And most ministries, when they get to the decline phase, they don't do what you guys have done so eloquently and begin to transfer leadership to things. What happens is the institution is in place and the norms and values that they've experienced, they celebrate their past more than their future. And then when something new comes along, what begins to happen is they attack the new. And we've got to, instead of attack the new, we've got to show an encounter of God to the new, and it'll set them free. You know, many people are watching this right now. You might be a young lion. You might be a burnt stone. You might not know exactly how to stand up in this present evil age. But get to know Jesus read that Bible, say your prayers, and I'll tell you what, God will meet you. If the institution has hurt you of the church, it hurt everybody. It hurt Jesus. It's hurt Mondo. It's hurt me. It's hurt everybody. But if you will give your life and your time to Jesus in prayer and the word of God, I'll tell you what, you have an encounter and you can live through this present evil age. Why is Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 so oh. important? Oh, it's powerful, brother. Let's talk about this because if it's so important, in preparing for the end times, then how do we understand it for everyday life? That's a great question. I'll tell you, I had a vision a number of years ago, a prophetic vision. I was standing on the side of a seashore because that verse says, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
And I was standing on the seashore and I looked out and I saw a camera floating on the water. And the Lord said, I've called you to reach the masses through media. Mm. And I believe that's your calling. Yes. One of your many callings. I feel it. Oh, brother, you're anointed. I feel it. I feel the power of God on this set today. But when I saw that, the Lord began to minister mm. to me about a global reach of the glory of the Lord that would come through media. It would come through unconventional means and not be contained. I believe there will be a freedom tech. Now, I know that this is not perfectly with the question you asked me, but it's freedom tech mm -hmm. that will hit the planet. I believe Elon is supposed to do it. I don't know if he'll do it or not, but God will raise up another. Mm -hmm. And there will be freedom tech that hits the earth, and the glory of the Lord will be free, and it will run across the earth with media. And I believe that's a big part of that. Listen, I, as, as you were talking, i gotta, I got to do this. Come on. i got seven minutes. Come on. So normally about five minutes. Let's preach the gospel. Let's win some souls. Come on. Let's do that. Listen, yeah. you can get the book, Breaking Hell's Economy, or you can go to the website. We're going to put it on the screen, Breaking Hell's Economy. I'd love to talk more about this, but I just feel the most important thing we can do yep. for you is to help you understand what it means to go to the cross. Yeah. Can we take the next few moments, preach the salvation message is yours? Absolutely. Jesus died for you. Let me start up by saying this. Religion might have hurt you. People might have hurt you. You might not even know what we're talking about. But I'm going to start off by saying this. Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. You might as well surrender to him. When we say come to Jesus, we are not offering you the plague. We're offering you life and life more abundantly. Jesus died for you. And people say, why would God send anyone to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. He was violated spiritually. Hell is a reaction to the spiritual violation that came against God. And the only option he had was to send part of himself, his son, to counter that violation for you. So you didn't have to suffer an angelic torture eternity, meaning fallen angels that are being punished for what they did to God. Mankind lined up with them, with Adam and Eve. And God's saying to you, if you'll line up with Jesus, you won't have to participate in any of that evil. He has a great future for you. And I'm telling you, there are people watching right now and your grandmother prayed for you. Your grandmother spoke out and began to pray for you and she began to speak before God on your behalf. And I'm telling you, God is knocking on the door of your life right now. And he's saying, come to me. I'm not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Jesus is not mad at you. He loves you and he's drawing you unto him. And the best thing we can do is make God rich or make God uh, uh, have his children come home and experience that homecoming. God was violated and he lost his family over it. You are his family, whether you like it or not. And you need to come have a family reunion with him. Come to Jesus. The way you do it is this. You repent of your sin. Romans chapter 10 says this. If you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And I'm saying to you right now, go ahead and just imagine that in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, and then say it from your mouth. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I repent of my sins. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. If you'll pray that, you'll contact the Mondo Show, or you'll contact this ministry, they will tell you all about it. They'll help you. But I want to say something to you right now. If you prayed that, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Jesus loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Man. Mm. Listen, this scripture is for you. I really believe as you were just sharing the message, this is for you. And it's one of the on. most famous scriptures in the world. 
John 3.16, sometimes the simplicity of the gospel is what changes life. Yeah, that's right. Come on, Mama. My sister walked into my world and said, what if God is real? What if prayer works? And what if you have a different destiny? Mm. Those three phrases is what changed my life. The world said, lock them up, throw the key away. Wow. The world said, I don't have any plans for you. As a matter of fact, before I was 18 years old, they told me and the gangs, don't make plans after 18 or even before 18, you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Someone had already written the destiny for me until Christ walked in. That simple scripture changed my life. Wow. Can you imagine John 3, 16 changing someone's life? <laughs> Yet it is the power of his word that can change your life. Yes. I don't know what you're going through right now. Come I don't on. know how your marriage is right now. I don't know what type of business you're in right now that you're, you're probably asking God to give you revelation about what steps to take in the business that you started because you feel like it's going into bankruptcy. I pray away the bankruptcy in your That's business. It. I pray away the pressures of your marriage. That's it. Get right with God. Stop cheating in your wife. That's it. Come on. Stop cheating in your business. Start doing business right and watch what God can do once you turn around. The problem is most people are afraid to to admit that they've sinned. Most people don't want to repent, Pastor so Z. It's true. Yet the power to my salvation was admitting that I was wrong. Yeah. That is hard to admit as a man that you're wrong. In this culture, we're so prideful. We don't want to admit that we did anything wrong. Yet the Bible says if you want your life to be healed, if you want this land to be healed, you got to repent, turn away from your evil, wicked ways. Come on. Some of you have done so much wicked around people just to get by, just so you can look good. Right. Yet at the end of the road, death is knocking. Mm. The hope we have is in the gospel. You have cursed prosperity to the point where you don't even feel God prospering you because yeah. you have cursed what he's given you. And I wanted to talk about prosperity, <laughs> but you got to come back in this. No. Let's do it again. Let's because do it again. I believe God wants to prosper your business, wants to prosper your ministry, yeah. wants to prosper your vision. I Can you just speak into that? I got almost a minute left. <laughs> speak into the power of prosperity. Yeah. Hey, God cares about your soul more than he cares about prosperity. God cares way more about you than he cares about all the people having money and resources. But prosperity, when you understand what it really is, it's a corporate anointing that he has for the whole body to get the mission done. I want to come back to one thing. I just preached my grandmother's funeral. And I said to the audience and the people that were in attendance, I said, there is an end. And there's a deadline on a decision that you're going to make with what you're going to do with your life. Don't let that deadline show up before you give your life to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. The ultimate prosperity is giving your life, your soul, these two hands, your abilities to the living God. He'll make something out of that. And he'll, he designed you and he can actually give you everything you never knew you wanted. Amen. Amen. Listen, we need prosperity in order to continue to preach the gospel around the world. I need your help. Get the book today, Breaking Hell's Economy. Or if you just want to sow a seed into this program, help me preach the gospel Amen. around the world. Who in the world thought that an ex-gang member will have a national television platform to share about Jesus? Most of the time, they give us the back room and go do an outreach to go reach more gang members. And that's okay. But you also have to recognize that when God gives you a calling of a different form, you step into what God has called you, whether you have money or not. I always believe that God will supply the need when you obey. Amen. Oh, I just cussed. <laughs> <laughs> 
You don't like the word obedience. <laughs> Obeying is the key. It has been the key for 26 years in my life. I've obeyed the Lord in every step that I've taken. Listen, I got to go. I hope you call me or, or write to me. But I want to tell you one thing, that no matter what you're going through, it's going to be okay. Keep the faith. Thank you, sir. I love you. I love you. Come back. My privilege. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.